When running a business, your employees can create all kinds of interesting situations, like getting complaints because someone on the team always smells horrible. You better talk to Bambi. With Bambi, get access to your own dedicated HR manager starting at just $99 per month. They're available by phone, email, and real-time chat, so onboarding and terminations run smoothly. Team members reach peak performance, and your business stays compliant with changing HR regulations. And with Bambi's HR Autopilot, you'll automate important HR practices like setting policies, training, and feedback. Bambi's U.S.-based personnel are dedicated to your business, giving you access to the HR expertise and personal touch you need. HR managers can easily cost $80,000 per year, but Bambi starts at $99 per month. Schedule your free conversation today to see how much Bambi can take off your plate. Visit Bambi.com slash C-Suite right now. Spelled B-A-M-B-E-E dot com slash C-Suite. Bambi.com slash C-Suite. Megan Gibson. The well-being of one person in a family affects the whole family system. This is a supportive community to share research, resources, stories, tips, and life hacks to keep the family brain healthy. Thanks for listening to The Family Brain. I am Megan Gibson, and today I'll be talking with Coach Sherry. Coach Sherry is a teen life coach and she works with an organization called Teen Wise in Seattle and I love talking to her about how she helps bring joy to the lives of teens and I guess I shouldn't say she brings joy but helping teens find joy in their own lives so often we're focused on achievement and sort of preventing worst case scenario that I think often we forget to cultivate joy both in our own lives and in our kids' lives. And so I really love this message that she has in her work with teens and really focusing on bringing back play and rest and joy to um, life. So thanks for listening and I hope you enjoy this episode. Hi, Coach Sherry. Thank you so much for joining us on The Family Brain today. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Of course. So I am really excited about the work you do with teenagers, and it seems primarily you work with teenage girls. Is that correct? Right. So my private coaching is teen girls, although I'm about to expand that and hire some coaches who can um, help the boys out too. But the rest of my practice, a lot of it is geared towards boys and girls, just the teen world in general. Right. So how did you end up getting into this work specifically? How did, how did you come to, I love teenagers. I think they're just the most interesting age group. Mm -hmm. Um, So I get it, but what, what got you interested in working with teenagers? Well, it started, um, you know, long history, but I'll tell you the short history of it. Um, I you was can take as long as you want. You just go <laughs> ahead and tell your story. <laughs> I was working for the Women's Sports Foundation um, with their Go Girl Go curriculum, which is a free curriculum that they provide to the community. And I really enjoyed that space. And I just saw how much the girls needed some support and everyday issues. You know, not, we don't need to wait until the extremes. Um, to support these girls. So um, when our grant ran out in the area where I'm living, I thought I have to stay in this space somehow. I love working with the girls and um, there's a lot of issues that we can cover. 
And so people continue to call me to come and talk to them about, you know, talk to their girls and talk to the parents about these issues. And I said, well, I better just set up shop. And um, I was excited about it. And it just, um, you know, went from there. Um, so that's kind of the progression of it. But the reason I love the space that I'm in working with teens is because it's a time, such a pivotal time when they're transitioning from being this little kid to being an adult. And it's a confusing time, but um, they're really ready to reach out to people outside of their own family for support. And so that's why I'm there. I love that. That's great. It's interesting to me because I don't have an official teenager yet, but I have a 12 year old. And it seems to me like that shift, it, I know it didn't happen in one day. Like I know that like logically, but it felt like, wait, what happened? You kind of wake up one day and you're like, wait, what? You're not just a little kid anymore. Have you heard that from other parents? Yeah, it does happen so fast. And I think part of it is we don't recognize it until one day it's like, boom, you know, they say something a little Mm -hmm. sarcastic or you start to see a glimpse of who they're going to be as a young adult. And that's kind of the awakening for us parents that, oh, wow, we're not dealing with a baby anymore. This isn't a little kid. Um, She's becoming like transitioning to that young adult phase. Yes. One of the things I noticed in your writing and and on your website um, was this focus on um, making sure you create space for joy in teens' lives. And it's cute because I noticed right behind you, there's a little sign that says joy on it. And yeah. (laughs) And I love that because I feel like that's something we don't really talk enough about. We talk about a lot about you know, managing and, and keeping kids alive and keeping kids safe. And, but, but we don't really talk very much about joy. Where, right. where did you get to, to, to make sure you focus on that? How did you come to really noticing that that was important? Well, when I work with teens, you know, one-on-one or in groups, it's this kind of common denominator that I hear a lot. If I'm saying, well, what are you doing for fun? What are you doing that just makes you happy? A lot of the teens will talk about, well, I don't do a lot because I feel guilty if I'm not spending time on something that matters. And so they see this downtime self-care as something that doesn't matter because they, um, feel like it's not working towards something. It's not going to go on my college resume. Like I, I need to be productive. So mm-hmm. I was just seeing this thread and a lot of the kids I was talking to, and then you talk to the parents and it's the same thing. Um, I was just so, thinking as you were talking yeah. that that sounds like me sometimes, you know, yeah, I know. Yeah. I think if we're just hanging out that somehow this is a bad thing. So really I've, I've changed my focus to um, how to teach parents to prioritize joy over achievement because it's this idea of stepping out of the rat race that we all feel like we're in, you know, getting towards college as the end goal and really focusing on what matters, which is the family connection and happiness. And it doesn't matter how many millions of dollars you make or what college you go to. If you're miserable, I don't think that's success. Right. And I feel like there, that's becoming more a part of our conversations. You know, mm-hmm. it, it almost seems like generation, generationally, like in the past, that that was not even something that was on the radar. It was, it was, you needed to make sure you had enough money. And I mean, money, if you don't have any money, that's really, really hard just right. to acknowledge that. But lots and lots of money does not equal lots and lots of happiness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So. 
Well, and also what college you go to doesn't equal success either. Mm -hmm. If you go to Stanford, that doesn't give you a shoe in to be successful in your life. And um, that's what a lot of parents are thinking. Like they just have to go to the good college for them to be successful. And and they don't even need to go to college to be successful, to be honest. You know, it's, it's more about excitement and joy and creativity. And if you look at all of like some of the big successful people, their GPAs really sucked, to be honest. You know, <laughs> yeah. um, Steve Jobs had a 2.67 GPA. Yeah. So it was his excitement for life that, that made him successful. It wasn't about his grades. Right. Well, and it's interesting because it seems like there's a lot of research coming out that people with, you know, some learning challenges, whether it be ADHD or dyslexia, are often people who can see things very creatively in the world. It's just that school isn't a great fit. And so it's not school and success in school isn't the only way to measure, you know, how how someone's going to do in the world. And maybe it's just a bad measurement. Yeah. Yeah. And Albert Einstein was an awful student and they said he'd amount to nothing. And, you know, look at him. I mean, he, he gave us so many concepts that many of us never would have been able to even think up, you know, or to think about thinking about. So um, it's, it's just about looking around you and finding what you really love. And we need to give our kids space to do that. So what are some of the things you're hearing a lot lately from kids, from parents? Are there any particular, not trends, but I guess trends, things that you have heard more about lately that you notice going on with teenagers and their families? Oh, there's a lot of stuff. Let's see which one would be most useful to your um, podcasters. I think that one of the big things that I hear a lot is that parents feel like they're supporting their kids, but they're really not. What they're doing is they're intruding, they're micromanaging, and the kids are feeling stifled by this. And they feel like they can't live their own lives. They feel like they can't talk to their parents about things. And it's really sad to see because they're very well-meaning, well-intentioned parents who are there for their kids. It's just kind of in a way that's not working for this Mm -hmm. generation. And it's not um, giving the kids room to breathe. Yeah. It seems like, and I I can see myself doing this and people I'm around is sometimes I feel like we can default to parenting out of fear. Like what if this, what if that, and you're holding on so tightly that you're like smothering, you know, and it's just, I feel like there's so much information. That's why I really like you talking about joy and creating happiness, because I think there's so much, if you look at the media and you look at the news and so much of the information we're getting is be careful of vaping, be careful of this, be careful of that. And it's no wonder that people are afraid, you know, if those are all the messages you're getting. Mm -hmm. But I like, yeah, that's another trend that I'm seeing is that a lot of the kids I talk to have this concept, this gloom and doom concept of the world because they get all of this, this um, stuff from the media and the media focuses on all the negative stuff. So um, I hear frequently, well, the world's going to end in 15 years anyway, what does it matter? So there's this weird dichotomy because the kids are like, we need to be perfect and do all of this stuff. But on the other hand, they're like, well, the world's going to end anyway. Why does it matter? And it's so much generalized anxiety because there's these messages coming at them, you know, 24 hours a day. And, and it's all just so negative. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and I, I found myself telling someone the other day that I was, 
I wasn't watching the news very much. And they said something like, oh, well, you're in the mom bubble. And I was like, no, I just, it's not, it's not that I'm in a bubble. It's that I have to be thoughtful about how much I expose myself to mm-hmm. the information. I mean, I want the information. It's just, sometimes it's just too much. It's overwhelming. Right. And what I see is that parents, when we're talking about issues that are important, we're not giving our kids this concept of hope around the issues, like that we can make a difference. We can make a change. It's all about, you know, anger and hate and divisiveness. And we need to be that mediating factor where we can be positive and happy despite some of the difficulties that the world is facing. Yeah. No, I need this pep talk. This is good. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure a lot of your work is listening and supporting, but what about in terms of like um, tactics or, or um, skills that you have found to be really useful with teenagers that they're maybe not getting in school or at home that mm-hmm. you, you've been able to help with? I think there's a few areas that I work on with the teens that I um, work with privately, and that is their mindset. If something happens that they understand the power that they had in the situation and that they understand what they've learned about themselves. So I focus a lot um, with girls who are having friendship issues, for instance, and they can't control the girls in their school. I can't go in and control the girls in their school. There's going to be some things that happen that don't feel good. But when I'm talking to my clients, I'm saying, what can you control? What can you not control? How can you handle the situation and how can you stay in your power? Mm -hmm. And um, it doesn't mean that the situation is going to turn out wonderfully where they're going to have, you know, these friends are going to come back and say sorry and everything's good, but they learn about themselves that they have the power to be kind, even though the other person wasn't, they have the power to decide, is that friend worth it? Like, Mm -hmm. what are their boundaries? What does a healthy relationship look like? So they, it doesn't matter what the situation is that's going on. Um, teens can learn from it and we can learn from them as well. Yes. Now I still, I wish that the, the concept of boundaries had been taught to me when I was a teenager or even younger. And I still remember, I've said this a few times where I was standing when I heard about this concept, because I was like, it's such a game changer. Like, wait, I don't have to do everything that's like put in front of me. I mean, that's just, a miraculous thing. Um, and I think that if we can, we can teach this younger, it gives us that much more time to practice, you know, because I think it takes practice. It's not easy work. Right. And, you know, we as grown women will deal with the same issues that these girls are dealing with in middle school and high school. And, um, just to have these life skills starting at an earlier age is, it's really amazing. And just for them to feel like, okay, I can do something about this. I don't have to take all of this. I'm not a victim. It's not poor me. I'm standing in my power, even though the situation sucks, you know, I'm powerful anyway. Yes. No, I love that. That's mindset is huge. And I, I think it's something that we don't talk about enough. Um, so I love that. What, what about in terms of the parents, what kind of, um, coaching are you able to give the parents in terms of, um, some of this in in terms of their mindsets? Mm -hmm. And I do work with the parents, by the way, because if I'm working with the teens, but the parents aren't involved, nothing changes in the family dynamic. So I think that's super important. And I know it's difficult to parent teens. I have three daughters who are 16, 19, and 21 now. So I'm kind of on the other side, but I know how difficult it is 
in that transition time. So one of the main things that I talk to parents about, especially the moms, is make sure that you're not reliving your middle school and high school years. Because what happens if you're doing that is your emotions take over your daughter's emotions. So let's say um, there's a mom who was bullied in middle school and some girl comes up and talks to her daughter in a mean way. That mom, it triggers all those emotions from that time for her. So she gets really upset. She starts calling the other girl names. She starts saying, you need to step up and you need to do this. Um, so it becomes more about the mom and her emotions. And what I see happens in that situation is the daughter next time will not come to her mom because mm -hmm. she's like, I don't want my mom to be upset. And she's making it bigger than it is. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I was just talking to someone yesterday about how that has been one of the biggest teachers to her in raising kids and teenagers specifically is just noticing when she gets triggered by things and how that's actually kind of a gift to like unravel what is going on here. So I think that, I guess my takeaway is it's not that we're going to avoid being triggered. We're going to be triggered by things that happen in parenting and life, but like give yourself some space to sort of figure out what that's about before leaping into action because the leaping into action without unraveling is the danger zone. Right. And really that is a time where you can say, okay, why am I triggered? And then go back and remember when you were that age, what did you need from your parents? You didn't mm. want them coming in and trying to fix it all. You wanted their support. So it really is giving an insight to what your daughter's going through. So use that definitely, mm -hmm. but make sure that the situation at hand stays about your daughter and not yourself. Right. So what kind of things have you um, found to be useful for the teenagers that you work with in terms of self-care? Mm -hmm. Are there any sort of go-to things that seem to be helpful that, that they didn't know that was like available to them? Mm -hmm. I think one of the things I highly encourage that most of them like is journaling. Mm -hmm. And uh, for the ones who don't like to write, I encourage them to look at the idea of bullet journaling. So it can be pictures, it can be coloring, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing that I have them do, every client who signs up with me gets a coloring book and markers. And um, you know, some of them will be like, oh my gosh, this is little kid stuff. But I would say 99% of them have a smile on their face. It's like I'm giving them permission to kind of be a kid still and to do something that's just about being joyful. And there's no grading of it, there's no end goal. It's just to sit down and take time for yourself. So I think it's really, it's not that I am coming up with anything that's super creative for them. It's about going back to the basics. Like mm. they don't need to have, um, you know, all of these ideas and concepts to self-care. It's just about stopping and breathing and taking the time to do kind of nothing. Yes. Again, this person I spoke with yesterday, Dr. Haley Watson. Do you follow her okay. on social? She's so cool. But she... Um, she was talking about that, about that there, we were learning continually, but that if you don't slow down enough to process that learning, like all the information that's coming at you, it just, it, it just builds and builds and builds. And I mean, I think that's true of teens. It's true of adults. It's just right. our world is so busy that it, we don't always allow for that space to happen. Yeah. And I think like one of the things I hear a lot right now is that teens can't get to sleep at night. And I think because all of that processing is happening at once instead of throughout the day, mm. because our brain needs that processing. I read somewhere it's like 60% of our brain doesn't come online 
until it gets downtime. And that's when it starts to really process everything. So, um, you know, throughout the day, the kids are on devices all day or doing homework or they're busy all day. So when their head hits the pillow, finally their brain gets to process. And that's where this overthinking comes in and their minds are just swirling and it's really difficult for them to fall asleep. So what, what would you recommend if someone's listening to this and they have a child that they see this either depression or anxiety or just kind of, they know they need more support. What, what would you recommend in, in how the parent might approach the child about, hey, why don't we get some, some backup here? Right. Do you have any suggestions? Yeah. One of the things that like when people come to see me, yeah, I'm acting as a teen life coach, not as a therapist, um, is that I make sure the daughter knows that, that she's not in it alone, that the parents also want support. So if a parent's approaching a daughter or son who they feel like may be depressed or just having issues with anxiety, whatever it may be to say, Hey, you know, I feel like you might be going through some difficult times and I'm not sure as a parent how to best support you. So what I'd like to do is go get us some support so that I can be a better parent. Mm -hmm. And then it's not like we're trying to fix you. It's more about we want to make sure we're here for you and let's see what we can do. Right. And I think that takes a very evolved parent to be able to do that. So shout out to anybody who's doing that because I think it takes, it takes some humility to say, this isn't just you, this is all of us. We're all, we all need some help to do better. And, um, and that's probably the most honest thing too. I mean, it's not just happening in a vacuum. Um, I think that's great advice. For parents who are feeling like, I don't know what to do. I'm stuck. You know, my daughter or son needs help, but where do I go? Just know that there's a lot of resources out there. Jump on the internet and use it for the power of good. You know, if you feel like your son or daughter is having extreme anxiety or depression, that's something that you need to deal with quickly because the sooner the better. Because once you start going down that, you know, dark hole, it's harder to bring them out. Not impossible, but it's more difficult. So what I see with a lot of parents is they're waiting for that breakdown before they step in to help. Because they're kind of like, ah, yeah, I kind of see some issues, but it'll blow over. No problem. We're going to get through this. Um, Just, you know, the sooner the better. And it doesn't mean there's anything wrong. It just means that you are showing your kids that there's a tool out there. um, Mm -hmm. And it's a strength, not a weakness to ask for help. Yes. And it's such a gift over the course of life. You know Mm -hmm. that, I mean, chances are you're going to have some rough spots in your adulthood as well. Most of us do. And it just is a reminder that, that you can do it then also. It's sort of setting a good example. So is there anything that you were hoping you could talk about that I haven't asked you about? Oh, there's so much. There's Megan. so much, I, I know. No, but I mean, I think the main thing is that I just want parents to forget about the rat race because we've got this parent peer pressure. We've got pressure from society that our kids need to do all of these things, be busy all the time, overachieve in order to be successful in the future. And I think we just need to collectively start seeing that it's not working for this generation. It's not necessary. And it really is not what is creating success for our kids. And we are giving into this parent peer pressure and the societal peer pressure to be in the rat race, to keep our kids busy all the time, to expect them to be perfect. And it just is not working. So um, I do have a webinar that anyone can join if they'd like. That is, you just go to tinyurl.com backslash teen joy, 
and you can find out some good pointers to start with on how to jump out of that rat race and to prioritize joy over achievement. I love that. And what are, what are your, the other places where people can find you? I'm teenyseattle.com is my website and I've got lots of resources there. And then I'm on Facebook, teenyseattle and Instagram, teenyseattle as well. Love that. So what about you? What do you do to help take care of yourself as you help all these other people? And I always like to ask that last, just mainly out of curiosity, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a good question right now in my community has been a difficult time. We've had five teen suicides in the past few weeks and mm. obviously each of those hits me very hard. Um, so I've been trying to practice self-care a lot. So I love water, so bath, hot tub. Um, I also do creative stuff. So I love to bead, make jewelry. So I try to make time for that and I'm finding it more and more difficult. So I'm scheduling those things into my calendar to make sure that they happen. I love that. I think that's so, it's neat to me to hear what other people are doing, but I also think it helps remind me that you have to prioritize it. Otherwise it's not going to, no one's going to come up with a tray and be like, here is your self-care for the day, Hi. you know, <laughs> serve it to me. But, yeah. um, well, thank you so much. I love all the work you're doing and I will definitely make sure that I um, post all the resources that you have made available because I was looking at your website and you have a ton of great resources which I love. So thank you so much. Thank you. This is fun. It was fun for me too. Thanks for listening to The Family Brain. I hope you enjoyed this episode with Coach Sherry. And if you're so inclined, please share this with someone you think it could benefit and leave a review or a rating on iTunes. Reviews and ratings help other people find the podcast. And it's also fun for me to read and just see what people are getting out of the podcast and where people are listening from. I get information about general general downloads and, and how many people listen, but it's fun for me to know more about the people that are listening because right now I'm just sitting here by myself. So I know you're out there and it's fun to hear from you too. And if you'd like to join our Facebook group, it's the Family Brain Podcast. We are also on Instagram, Family Brain Podcast, and I have a website, familybrainpodcast.com. Thanks for listening. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.